Welcome back to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. For today's episode, I'm joined by Madhuri Prabhakar, the microplastics campaigner for the Plastic Soup Foundation. How are you doing today? Thank you for coming on the show. Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing good. It's morning where I am. So <laughs> yeah, uh, happy to be here. Yeah. So, you know, we we were kind of joking before the episode started. We have a eight hour time difference between uh, Missoula, Montana and Amsterdam. So it is quite the difference in timing here where I'm at over here in the United States. But we're going to make this episode work. The first thing I want to ask you about, uh, what exactly is the Plastic Soup Foundation and what are some of the projects that you're currently working on? Plastic Soup Foundation is a very uh, small nonprofit organization. Uh, it's uh, only a decade old. Yes, a yeah. decade is a very small time <laughs> for an NGO for our size existing. And we're a single issue organization. That means our sole focus is to uh, fight plastic pollution. And uh, yeah, we're based in Amsterdam. Uh, we have a very small team of 20, 22 people. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and our focus is to uh, plastic pollution from all directions. You know, I was trying to put together, like, uh, there were so many questions I had about plastic pollution. I, I felt like I probably could have talked to you for hours on end, you know, just thinking about all the different effects it has in our environment, so on and so forth. And on independent thought here, I haven't had an episode centered around the environment in a while now, but I, I guess um, just kind of trying to like focus down or, or narrow it down a little bit. Let me just start with this really quickly. Uh, when it comes to like the number one focus of your foundation right now, what is it that you're trying to accomplish, I guess, like on a day-to-day -day basis or maybe like, or in the interim right now, like what's the current focus for plastic soup and how you're trying to address this plastic pollution crisis that we're facing? You know, when we started uh, 10, 12 years ago, it was really about spreading the awareness. It really mm -hmm. felt like uh, a lot of people were not aware of the fact, uh, the, the extent of uh, damage plastic waste and is doing to not only our environment and how much it is polluting. So uh, we started with the awareness of it all, but uh, as we grew older, um, the focus was more and more on really tackling this problem at the source, because of course there's a lot of cleanups happening and there's a lot of people going out there cleaning their streets, beaches. And uh, at some point we realized that we can't keep doing that when the tap is still open. The right. plastic pollution tap is still open and we can't keep uh, just cleaning up beaches when we are not really focusing mm -hmm. uh, at the start of this tap and, and there is no point cleaning up a floor when the tap is running and that that's where we realized uh, that we really need to tackle it at the source and uh, that's been our focus for, for a while now. We're trying to really uh, reduce plastic pollu production and, and, and pollution at its source. Um, and yeah, cleanups are really good for awareness, and uh, uh, it's necessary for for uh, to an extent. But we really need to focus on stop producing so much plastic. 
the global plastic production really doubled uh, in, in, in the past two decades, and uh, it reached 460 million tons. Wow. Uh, and the forecast is that by 2025, which is not that far away, we're going to double this number. Uh, so the production is really soaring. And how can we solve this problem without actually looking at at this production and what's necessary and what's unnecessary? So that's that's our focus at the point at this moment. You know, sometimes it, it almost seems unbelievable, almost like you can't con- you can't really conceptualize just how much it really is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I know that I have that problem sometimes. And when I was trying to like gear up to like ask you to come on this episode and to actually have this conversation with you, I was looking at a bunch of statistics myself. Uh, but for you, like someone who's in this on a day in and day out basis, what are some of the stats that you come across that I guess even for you kind of like catch you off guard and like, you know, maybe like the average person wouldn't know like this figure about the plastic pollution that we're dealing with? Yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. It can be just overwhelming. And at some point, just big numbers that you can't visualize. It doesn't mean anything to you, like billion tons or million tons. Right. It, it is hard to to visualize. So uh, there are facts out there that's going to hit you because it has boiled down to, for example, um, one million plastic bottles are sold every minute. Wow. Every single minute. Two million plastic bags bags are sold every single minute so we're talking in minutes now and it's uh if you can even visualize what one million bottles look like uh plastic bottles um every minute of every day we are dumping one truckload of plastic in the oceans uh so just let that sink in um and and of course uh, there are initiatives right now that are cleaning up the oceans what this fact hit me really hard uh, personally because only 1% of trash is actually floating on the ocean. Right, I just 99% of it sinks down. So what we're cleaning up is 1% of this this pollution problem. Right. Um so so yeah, that that one really hit me hard. I was like, wow. So even if we are going out there and cleaning our oceans, we're just solving such tiny part of this problem. The rest is just on the ocean floor and and polluting the marine life. So, yeah. You know, it, it seems as though when the problem's so far away, because, you know, they have this, I mean, what you refer mm-hmm. to like the plastic soup, right? It being this giant island in the Pacific Ocean, just a giant like country size amount of trash that... Yeah. It feels so detached from like our like Western nations that we live in that people just don't seem to really care. Like, let's just call it what it is. People mm-hmm. don't really seem to care. But, you know, so much of that stuff is what single use plastics, right? Now, you had mentioned mm-hmm. to me that one of the things that you and your organization are trying to accomplish right now is trying to lobby the EU to ban single use plastics, microplastics, mm-hmm. for instance. What exactly does that look like? You know, sometimes we hear about these things happening in an abstract sense. Oh, we're trying to lobby, you know, this government to do this thing. But what does that look like? And how has that been going so far? Uh, in, in terms of single-use plastic, I, I would say we're in the right direction and it's going uh, well. Um, well, I, I started working at Plastic Soup Foundation about six years ago. And in yeah. the time frame that I have been working, 
at the Plastic Soup Foundation, the awareness and the initiatives popping around the world banning single-use plastic have stored. Uh, so that has been very good to, to experience that, of course, there is awareness and there's uh, legislative uh, initiatives happening around the world. Uh, so in EU and uh, in 2020, I think the EU came with single-use plastics directive. So it just gives a directive to all the European countries where they should uh, ban uh, certain plastic products like straws or um, cotton buds and plastic cutlery, those kind of things. Uh, but it's just a directive and the, the uh, different member states need to take it up on, upon themselves to then turn it into laws and uh, put uh, yeah put them out in, in each of the countries. Um, but the whole process has been uh, very fragmented for us, as in we we had to focus on different things. Uh, yeah. One of those things was to get deposit return schemes. I'm not, I'm not sure if how how familiar that term is, uh, but deposit return schemes are systems where you can bring back your plastic bottle and get mm. a little money for it. Okay. So there is value on that trash, uh, on that trash. So you can go to the supermarkets here, and there are machines where you can uh, submit your plastic bottles and it gives you a couple of cents per bottle. Uh, so you save those bottles and uh, submit it there so they don't end up as trash and litter. Um, initially, th th those deposit return schemes were only on big plastic bottles. And now uh, with our campaigning efforts, it's also on small plastic bottles and also on cans. And th these are uh, small plastic bottles and cans can really, uh, they, they were big, trash and litter problem here um and what we did is I, i'm not sure do you know about world cleanup day no i'm not familiar with it world cleanup day is also like this big initiative uh that is worldwide everybody goes out there on this one particular day a saturday in september and they clean up their streets and uh, whatever their environment and we organized that uh initiative uh here in the netherlands and what we encouraged people is to really collect the data of what they're picking up. So what kind of trash it is, what kind of brands that it is. So that data was really valuable in bringing these deposit return schemes into place. Because yeah. there we can really uh, hold the polluters accountable, but also the government to show where the problem lies and what needs to be done. So it kind of started with those kind of initiatives. And then now on, on EU level, there is uh, this directive. So uh it's definitely not perfect uh and there's so many uh loopholes in there but we're certainly headed to a right direction so to speak and i really hope in the in the future um it, it will become more future proof and a bit more tight you know it's it's hard for me to imagine that it's gotten this bad, but it also isn't mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm actually going to get into why i feel like that a little, <laughs> little, little bit later in this conversation but before I get into all the cynicism that I have around, you know, how these things happen in the first place, let me try to talk about the future a little bit. Obviously, one of two things has a change, and one of them seems a little more harder than the other. Uh, the harder one would be mm -hmm. we have to completely rethink our entire global lifestyle, mm -hmm. and, you know, to mm -hmm. get rid of things like single-use plastics, microplastics. That feels a little more lofty. Uh the other one seems to be to replace plastics with something that degrades at a faster pace and is not as dangerous for the environment, something like bamboo, something like hemp, for mm -hmm. instance. Are there, when you're thinking about 
lobbying governments, for instance, or putting out factoids, you know, from your organization, do you promote things like that? Or, or what is the, what is the thought process around like other products like that from plastic soups perspective? Mm -hmm. Well, as you just said, we really need to look at the system and how it's working at the moment. And yeah. Um, 44% of plastic is used for packaging and that packaging is often single use. Um, so if we really zoom out here, uh, I don't think it's uh, that we can replace one material with other. And of course, hemp or, or paper would be better alternative in terms of biodegradability. But if we really zoom out, it's really about resource and uh, the resources other materials would take to to be produced on such a scale. Uh, I remember one time a colleague, I, I don't remember exactly where he said it, but he said, uh, we live, hence we are unsustainable. That, that was, yeah, it's too deep. <laughs> but uh, that, that line was also something that struck with me to this day because yeah. it's kind of true because we are just so many and uh, the, the amount and sheer uh, scales of things that we would have to put in to replace any system mm -hmm. is going to take some toll on the resources of our planet because uh, the way we we are living in a throwaway convenience culture. So uh, everything is related to convenience and uh, what can be used quick and throw quick uh, instead of really thinking about um creating less waste so we can replace the plastic with other materials but that that doesn't mean that it would create less waste you know mm. um so the the really the the point here is to reduce uh and re that would be the solution to really reduce the amount of stuff we're putting out there and the the the, the usability of materials and life cycles of material half of the plastic that we use is thrown away within a month uh, or single-use plastics are used for 15 minutes for an average. So that's that's right. the amount of waste generated is not going to be reduced if we just replace the material. So the future is, I think, reuse. We need to think of reusable materials, and it just doesn't need to only come from consumers. Uh, you can, of course, take your own reusable bottle or, or cup, but that's not going to solve the problem at a large at scale. scale so we we really need to um yeah the businesses needs to to bring in reusable materials and that that you should be able to buy the the content and not the packaging the packaging should be reusable and that you bring it back and there are deposit return schemes that you pay, uh, uh, that you pay a little bit of money for uh the container and you bring it back and then you get the money back when the container is up for example uh so yeah, it, it really, if you really look back, it, it's about reducing and reusing than, than merely replacing materials and just continue yeah. the way we're living at, at uh, yeah, with convenience and throw away living. That's just not going to bode well with our resources. And we, we have, uh, we don't have infinite resources on our planet. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because it seems like the only logical way out of this, but then I know, especially 
living in the country that I live in, it, it feels like mm-hmm. there is a large section of my country who just feels as though that they're entitled to do basically whatever they want, however they want, whenever they want, and the consequences be damned. So um, mm-hmm. I think uh, America is part of the problem here. Uh, but, you know, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, I want to say before, when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, not just, you know, the damages the plastic pollution is having on the environment, but how it's infecting people in their own bodies, what that is like, and how it's in brands, even like our cosmetics, which mm-hmm. you are a, you are a, uh, I just blanked here. that's gonna say i was gonna say all right i'll have to obviously my first time having to cut something here in the episode which you are an expert in we'll be right back hey indie thought listeners has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side well then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode bathing beauties beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown missoula whether it's seed beads semi-precious stones vintage beads or just materials to make a project they have something for every person and every price range not from missoula don't worry they have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you whether you're a beginner or a pro they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality you can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the luck. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. So before we went on the break, I had mentioned that I wanted to talk about the effects of plastics getting into your body, which is something that we probably don't want to think about, but that's kind of the point of this whole episode. You know, we are not thinking enough about how plastic is essentially in in a really, you know, poignant way, penetrating every part of our lives, including our bodies. So that's the next thing I kind of want to bring to the forefront here. What are some of the effects of having microplastics, I guess, in our bodies? And do we really have a full understanding of how these things impact us over time? Well, as you said before, a lot of people think that this is not their problem because you know yeah. the pollution exists in the ocean. There's some turtle dying. You don't know that turtle, so it doesn't bother you, right? 
but it's not just the, the turtle it's it's you and, and it's coming yeah. closer and closer to us uh it's all if you really take a moment and look around living room and your your house in general just notice the amount of things that are made with plastic and it will already be a very confronting uh, moment I think so um, it's not just the ocean and it's not just the marine life it's really close to us we are surrounded by plastic yeah uh, so it's not a surprise that we are also infiltrated by it, right? The entire food chain is infiltrated by it. We are part of the food chain. Uh, it's all around us. It's uh, in the air that we breathe. It's in the water that we drink. It's in the food that we eat. So it's everywhere. Um, so yeah, uh, recently in the past couple of years, there has been also an upsurge of uh, research that's done on plastics and humans. And plastics have been found in human blood, human lungs, in the placenta of of the unborn baby wow. um, so our bodies are really polluted with plastics already what they actually do in our body that's something uh the research is growing on but there's already indications that the chemicals that are used in plastic uh the additives they have a connection to a number of serious health problems such as hormone-related cancers, infertility, neurodevelopment disorders in uh, like ADHD and of course fetuses and children are considered uh, particularly at risk because these hormones play a very vital role in their development. Yeah. So uh, we are completely polluted, and uh, there are so many of these uh, diseases that, yeah a point towards the chemicals that we are exposed to via plastics also now what are the things that you that you told me that you were kind of like um an expert on or that you spent a lot of time i guess investigating is the connection between microplastics and cosmetics i, I guess before mm -hmm. we get into specifics on that just first tell me because when, when you told me that i was kind of like a little caught off guard i mean i don't use a lot of cosmetics myself but mm -hmm. you know i was still taken aback by the idea i was like why are there plastics and cosmetics? Can you talk about that first before we get into like, kind of like some more of the effects of that? Um, well, a lot of people, when they when I start talking to them about uh, what do I do for a living? And then I yeah. mentioned like, oh yeah, I'm a microplastics campaigner and I'm a campaign is about plastics in cosmetics. And they were like, oh yeah, cosmetics as in, yeah, the packaging, of course, it's like, yeah, it's a problem, right? And then I go like, no, it's not really the packaging. It's really inside of the products. And it really always takes everybody a moment to realize that they are intentionally put plastics inside our cosmetics, not the packaging, the content of it. And uh, yeah, w w but the, the name of my campaign is Beat the Microbeat. When yeah. we first started this campaign, the focus was really on microbeats. And these are these spheres uh, spherical little pieces of plastics that are put in our scrubs and toothpaste and stuff to exploit our skin or any surface. Uh, but again, with our uh, research and with other research developing, we uh, got to know that it's not just those little pieces of plastic, but it's all other kinds of different plastics that are put inside the product. And there are not only these five kinds of ingredients, but there could be at the stage we are screening 1100 ingredients that we 
see as potentially microplastics put into our cosmetic products. Um, and they are put there because they are cheap. You know, plastics are always cheap. That's one uh, advantage, so to speak, for, for plastics. Um, they also have some sort of functions in there, for example, uh, as emulsifiers or waterproofing, maybe uh, uh, making products feel soft on your skin. So, uh, and so on. So yeah, they are, are they're used widely in all kinds of cosmetic products that you can imagine, whether it's your toothpaste, your deodorant, your shampoo, your makeup, your lipsticks, your makeup, everything. Oh my God. Imagine. Yeah. I guess I'm trying to have a moment here where I'm not trying to freak out about it and thinking about <laughs> how much I take in all the time, but I, I, let's get a little bit more information about this. If I were to mm -hmm. go into a bathroom right now and kind of like look through the different things that like I or my partner might have in there, um, what are some of the products that I guess have the highest like concentrations or, or products that maybe have like a higher amount of microplastics than, than some of the others? Yeah, I, I think that's a very hard question to answer because uh, I, I'm not sure if there's one product category that has more than the other, but it really depends on the brand, I would say, okay. and their formulas, uh, so to speak. So that 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 really varies from brand to brand and product to product. Um, for example, uh, like a face wash could have one plastic ingredient, but could also have like six. So it really depends on 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 the brand um but what i notice uh and this might be just my personal observation is that makeup products tend to have more plastic ingredients than than for example a body cream or mm. a, a shampoo in my experience so your company developed uh an app in order to kind of like i guess scan what scan barcodes and people can kind of figure out how much plastic, I guess, is in a particular product. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, so we came up with this app in 2020, I think, and it scanned the ingredients of your cosmetic products and uh, all kinds of cosmetic products. And it tells you which of those ingredients are plastics and how much plastic is in there. Uh, and we came up with this app because even I feel overwhelmed with the, this long list of plastics that... Uh, that can be found in cosmetic products. And there is no way you can humanly remember all of those. Even I can't. And I work with this almost every day and I have to always go back to my lists and check uh, if, if that's correct because it's just so much. And you could feel very overwhelmed. So we wanted to make it easy for consumers. And the app does the work for you. It remembers all the ingredients for you. All you need to do is take a simple picture of the back of your product where the ingredients are and the app does the work and it tells you instantly what ingredients are plastic. So it's an easy way, it's an easy tool that uh, we provide to consumers so they can make an informed decision while buying cosmetic and personal care products. Um, and it's free to download so because we want this uh, to be accessible to everybody. Well, it sounds like something I'll have to be adding into the episode description so that people can check it out when they're checking out this episode. You know, that's just a little bit of a foreshadow here. But hey, I, I think when it comes to all this stuff, overwhelmed is definitely the right word because mm -hmm. that's I know that I feel that way. And I'm somebody who I go out of my way to be politically engaged in several different fashions. But a lot of people, 
you know, just to call for what it is, they're politically adverse, or they try to stay away from topics like this as much as humanly possible. You know, you have the day-to-day lives that, that people have going on, just struggling to survive. You know, people try to like have like mm-hmm. tunnel vision sometimes and just block out all the rest of this stuff because they're like, I don't know what to do about this. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And they just shut down. And I don't blame them, you know, because mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, you know, we can get into a litany of different things here, but our society has multiple different oppressive forces coming at us at all times, right? So speaking to that mentality, I guess, what are some of the ways that I guess people can maybe in some small way or or maybe in like, I guess, like a, a less complicated way can go and find ways to eliminate, you know, the plastic, I guess, unnecessary plastic uses in their lives or find ways to reduce plastic consumption? Like, do you have any tips and tricks for people how they can reduce the their plastic intake? Well, yeah, overwhelming is the right word. And I, I agree with you. We can't pl- blame people for being overwhelmed with the, the sheer things that's happening related to just this topic, blood pollution. And then there's yeah. a whole lot, lot of other things that needs to be taken care of. So it is very overwhelming to live in this world uh, with all of these issues. But my, my advice or suggestion would be to keep it small and keep it where you can have most impact. And just because using plastics and convenience of plastics is also a matter of habit. And it's something that you need to unlearn and develop other habits like always bringing a reusable bag. Uh, the, uh, I what I have done is I have put a reusable bag in all of my purses and backpacks. So I never forget it <laughs> in a way. Uh, yeah. And that helps. And sometimes I do forget it. And then I'm carrying all my groceries in my hands like this. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but that's just my commitment to it, I guess. Never using a plastic bag again. But uh, or, or carrying a water bottle always with you. You don't have to buy single-use plastic bottles. Uh, or carrying a to-go cup when you're getting a coffee. And these kind of habits we need to develop. And slowly, if, if only we start with these three little things, then it will all become a bit more possible for you. Because, uh, yeah, it will be hard at the beginning and you'll forget. And you need to be kind to yourself to make mistakes every now and then. But it's really about doing it imperfectly and not perfectly. Because if all of us, billions of people on this planet are doing it imperfectly, it's much better to do that than one person doing a perfect job in in not ever using any piece of plastic again. Uh, so yeah, that would be my my advice. You know, it. Um, I, I think the thing that really hits home for me is I think in order to really address this, people have to see themselves as part of a collective, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think too exactly. often we think of ourselves as individuals only as if we're not sharing this planet with each other, as if our actions mm-hmm. don't have effects on other people. It's really the same thing that really ties into the climate crisis overall. And when mm-hmm. you and I were talking originally, uh, we were talking about how the plastic, you know, like, I guess the plastic pollution crisis is also directly tied to the climate crisis. Can you talk a little bit more about that specifically and how these two things are I guess a little more linked than people might be originally aware of. Yeah, uh, indeed, certainly plastic pollution is a very much a part of the climate crisis, uh, and people often don't do not realize that. 
uh, but plastic accounts for 3.4% of the greenhouse gas emissions. Mm. Uh, so it's a considerable percentage mm. there that is accounted to plastic. And uh, plastic release these gases and on each stage of their life cycle. So from extraction, well, plastics are made from fossil fuels to begin with, uh, extraction of fossil fuels, um, transport, their refining and manufacturing, uh, managing the plastic waste. And when plastic waste ends up in environment or uh, uh, oceans, they also release uh, these gases over there in, in stage of their degradation. So really, at every stage of its life cycle, plastic uh, is releasing greenhouse gas emissions. So it's really uh, connected to each other. And these emissions, as you can imagine, as I said before, uh, plastic production is uh, uh, forecasted to, to increase. And so will the emissions, because plastics are quite in the center of a climate crisis as well. So we cannot look, it's, it's, it's part of the same coin. You know, I, I've asked you quite a few different questions here, and I appreciate you taking the time to kind of answer all this different stuff for us. Again, this is something that I think it's a conversation that needs to be more at the forefront for people. Um, I know that we kind of get bogged down with different news all the time. I know that I do here in the States that just really hasn't, you know, it, it, on the grand scheme of things, it doesn't have the same kind of impact that stories like this do. You know, I mean, plastic, mm -hmm. for instance, is one of those things that if it goes unchecked, it's going to be an overwhelming barrier, like the longer that we mm -hmm. kind of like leave it going the way that it currently is going. But to kind of close out this conversation, the last thing I want to ask you about is, you know, what do you think the the fix is? I know that that seems like, a, I mean, like a, too big of a question, <laughs> right? But like, let's try to like, let's try to find a way to solve this the best that we can in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> how exactly does this get solved and i guess more importantly what's the number one thing you want people to take from this conversation as they're i guess finishing off this podcast well my number one thing would be i know all of this sounds super bad but don't get overwhelmed because we need to keep the eye on the price and and really do whatever it is in our sphere of influence uh, whether it's just talking to people about it and spreading awareness is key. A lot of people just do not realize how bad it is. And uh, the more we talk about it, the, the more people we will enable to make different choices. And uh, that's key in, in solving the issue. And as Plastic Soup Foundation, we really think that not one person or not one uh, sector will can solve this problem. So it's not just uh, only on consumers. We cannot blame consumers for all the problems. We are all in a system that is working to enable all of these things that, that, that are happening, like using single-use plastics all the time. We cannot just blame the industry. We cannot just blame the government. We, we all, all the stakeholders in these problems need to work together. And we all play a very important role in shifting the conversation and then shifting the system. So, um, everybody needs to take their share of responsibility and not just turn a blind eye. And whether it's just uh, demanding more accountability from your government or making different consumer choices, because that's going to really shift the market and what's being sold. Because uh, a lot of the time industry or like companies are selling what's being, what is getting sold, right? In a way. Yeah. So if we make different choices, then we shift the demand. Uh, and we shift uh, what kind of 
uh, products are brought to the environment. We already kind of see that uh, getting derailed a little bit here, but in terms of cosmetics, what's happening now, there is this influx of solid products again, like soaps and solid shampoos and solid conditioners, solid creams. You can now find solid forms of products all over the market. And that's because the consumer awareness has uh, led to those choices and companies seeing that those kind of products are also being sold. And there is a demand for it because people want it, because people want to make sustainable choices with their uh, money. So yeah, our wallets have great powers uh, and we can really shift uh, shift the, the, the narrative, so to speak. And uh, yeah, can make different choices and that can really help in, in shifting the, the situation, so to speak. Um, so yeah, for, for me, number one thing would be to talk and maybe share this podcast, for example, so that people really learn about, yeah, what's going on and how they can really influence it. And honestly, I, I think that answers the other question as well. I mean, that is how this gets fixed, right? It, it gets fixed through people mm -hmm. spreading this information, demanding more accountability, you know, asking, like, Having the, I guess, awareness that, you know, in a time where people feel more and more powerless, like like they can't really mm -hmm. affect change, our purchasing power, it, you know, it's it's strange to say it, but it really has a monumental effect on so many different mm -hmm. things, especially in a society that seems to only care about profit, you know, how we spend our money does have an incredible impact on decisions that are made, especially when it comes to the plastic soup in our world, mm -hmm. unfortunately. So with that being said, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. Where can people find out more about Plastic Soup Foundation online? Where, where can they follow you at? Uh, we're on mostly all social media. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, we're all, all, all on those uh, platforms. Uh, our website, uh, you can find a lot of this information on our website if you want to get deeper into one of these topics. Um, and yeah, you can also always reach us with DMs or comments or email us and we're very happy to answer any questions that people might have. All right. For those who are interested, there'll be a few links in the episode description. So go ahead and check out the episode description now and you will see those links. I want to go ahead and thank our guest, Madhuri, for coming on the show and Hopefully, we'll be able to have you back on again in the future, uh, maybe at a different time of the day, but we'll kind of figure that out another time. <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> if you sure. liked this episode, please go ahead and share it on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you spend the most of your time, tag Independent Thought, tag the Plastic Soup Foundation, and we will see you in the next episode. Hey, everyone. Got three quick things here for you before we close out this episode. One, be sure that you're subscribed to the podcast because we have an epilogue of this episode coming later in the week. We recorded a few extra minutes tacked on to this conversation that you just heard. So be sure not to miss the epilogue, which will come out in a few days time. Secondly, if you did like this content and you want to support what we're doing here at Independent Thought, please sign up for our Patreon which helps to create what we're doing here in the future and helps us sustain what we're doing. That link can be found in the episode description. So click down there now and you'll see the link to our Patreon. And lastly, Independent Thought is looking to increase 
our team. So if you are interested in joining Independent Thought and helping us create more content, better content, DM me on Instagram at Independent Thought to learn more. Thank you.